This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone, this is The Ruck from The Times and The Sunday Times. You join us in our Brisbane studios and it's a few hours now after we've revealed, learnt the England team for the second test and we're still a bit confused, aren't we, Alex? Alex is with me here, Hello. rugby correspondent of The Times. Yeah, I mean we are a bit because on the one hand I really understand a couple of those picks um, in the context of really what happened in the first test, the selection of... Tommy Freeman and Guy Porter makes a lot of sense. They've come in for Joe Cook and Singer and Joe Marchant, who both drop out of the the twenty three completely, and they're after some some punch. They're after someone to get them over the gain line in that bat line, and, and Cook and Singer didn't deliver that last week. Uh, he was really quiet. Didn't really come looking for the work that they wanted him to do. And talking to Eddie Jones, that's that's exactly what he expects from Porter and from Freeman. And it's what we've seen in the Premiership. You know, Porter is a an abrasive, tough midfielder who's um, not afraid of of getting stuck in. And they're going to look at him to try and get, get a bit of momentum into into their attacking game, which was missing in, in Perth. And, and Freeman is is a player who will come off his wing, a bit like Jack Noel, and, and try and make things happen. So I understand those selections. But then you've also got the fact that they're both making their debut. Jack Van Portfleet uh, is going to make his first start at scrum half, and he is a player who has been is very highly regarded by Eddie Jones. That is a pick for the World Cup. Um, but what's sort of confusing things for us over here is that the whole tone of this team announcement for the pivotal deciding game, really, in this test series, if England... They're going to lose. The series is gone. If they're going to win, goes to a decider in in Sydney. The whole tone of it was: this is about building for the World Cup. This is a practice for the World Cup. Eddie, Eddie talked of it as an opportunity to experience some um, knockout rugby, if effectively. For and he said, we're thinking about the future. As th- well. This is a team for the future. Um, a, a, another incarnation of the team for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of hard to square that circle because on the one hand, I, I get the selections as as probably the right thing to do this week, to win this week. And yet the vibe coming out of England was very much, it's not really about this week, it's about next year. 
in a week when we, I sort of expected them to come in, kind of chest beating, like backs against the wall. You know, we're gonna we're gonna fight back. We're gonna go out and get them. It really wasn't that that kind of tone at all. And I find that language quite odd in a week when you'd imagine they'd be they'd be coming out fighting. And you got some stats, well, didn't you, about just to underline the the sort of um, inexperience of of this team, but also the the sort of spinning wheel of selection that that we've experienced with, with Eddie and, and the and we all know the players who have, have come in and gone and Max Malins now seems to be out of the picture completely, a Ben Earl out of the picture completely. Um, what did you find out when you went digging? So, yeah, the, the news from the, the men that know the stats are that this is the third youngest backline that Eddie Jones has picked as England head coach, and the previous two were against the United States and Canada. So essentially, in against a top international side, he's never gone younger in the backline, and that is because he's gone for... Um, He's got Freddie Stewart at fullback, who's 21. He's got Van Portfleet, who's also 21. He's got Guy Porter, who's 25. He's got um, Noel and Farrell, who are the older guys, at 29 and 30, and Marcus Smith at 23. And so those stats came from Simon Gleave, who's at um, Nielsen Grace Note, the head of uh, sports analysis over there. So he's helped us with that. But that's one thing and then the other one on the sort of selection merry-go-round surrounding Marcus Smith really um, Alex one of your friends actually pointed us towards this and we looked it up just that the number of different combinations that Smith's had to play with and we looked it up and he's played with four different scrum starting scrum halves eight different pairs of centres nine different pairs of wings and two fullbacks so actually the fullbacks pretty much Freddie Stewart and then once was George Furbank and he's only in his 11th test on Saturday. And you just think, trying to develop a new style and a new 10 and new partnerships, and admittedly, he hasn't had Farrell fit, which is what he wanted to have played all the time. It just looks incredibly inconsistent. For us, it feels incoherent at times. And I think, as you were saying, the whole tenor of this team announcement, we expected it to be it's World Cup final time, it's the most experienced team I could pick, this is the team to win the series back for us, get it to 1-1, and we didn't get that, we got a really young team, we got roll-the-dice selections, we got guys who've never been seen before, and to us we're sort of going into the team rounds and thinking, how's he going to play this? And it, it really wasn't what we expected. And it's, it's, it's extra confusing because we sat through a lot of explanations and press conferences with limited detail but lots of talk about how England want to evolve their attack and and it needs it's very complicated what they're trying to do and it needs cohesion and understanding between players for it to work and yet with all of those changes you're never going to get any of that cohesion and understanding and you know Smith and Farrell they've only played they played under two games together like 68 minutes and then 80 minutes so that is a fledgling partnership, and they both have different perspectives on on how they want to play the game, and they're working on sort of forging a, a, a sort of a common ground, if you like, and and that's one of the ways that that England are trying to evolve their attack. And it's clear that Farrell is going to be first receiver, often taking it to the line, and Smith will operate as as the twelve in, in that sense, kind of with his eyes up, being able to to read the. Read the defence, pick, pick a side, and 
and try and, and pick holes and and he'll but they for that to work they need to win the gain line and they need to win the breakdown and without Manu Tuolangi they're just they're hunting for that player now last week the plan was that obviously I mean Ellis Genge carried really well Billy carried really well Lewis Ludlam when he came on did that but they were relying on Joe Cook and Singer to come off his wing and punch some holes last week and and he didn't um he 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 was kind of he was so quiet it was unbelievable really for a guy of his size it just didn't influence the game at all it's not totally his fault but he just didn't seem to be looking to make things happen mm. and then on on the back of that the breakdown was a mess um and so what one of the focuses clearly in in this selection and the selection of um underhill I know Willis is a is a better turn probably better turnover winner, and Ludlam is probably a better carrier, but I think the the de- the defensive ferocity of of um, Sam Underhill and his ability to clear the breakdown and try and create quicker ball um, is is the factor behind his selection at, uh, 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 with Tom Curry out of contention with with concussion, so they're looking at. They're looking at Porter to try and play the Manu role, which you know, and they've looked at. I mean, I've, I went through the, the list of players who've played at thirteen since the last World Cup, and there's like five or six of them with Ollie Lawrence and Slade and Marchant and Daly. So Porter's the ninth person to start wearing number thirteen under Eddie, but yeah, obviously yeah. since the last World Cup, there's been five loads or six, yeah. since since the World Cup. Um, and so we've we've got we're in this sort of slightly. Conf- confusing position where it's probably the right selections for this week I'd say but it's not being sold as that it's being sold as something for down the line but it's also we say it's probably the right selections for this week but it it's just yet another change and yet you know yet more new players coming in with loads of um sort of pressure on them to deliver and, and save a series and it's just a confusing narrative and um and it can be presented as contradictory now Eddie Jones was it pains to say it is possible to both target a victory on Saturday and build for the World Cup, but overall, he, the, the the tone was was of long term development. And what was most interesting to me, Will, was that it wasn't just Eddie Jones who was saying that. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like there has been a conversation between the leaders in the group, particularly Courtney Laws, who we spoke to about this sort of idea of we could take some immediate pain for some long-term gain. And there it seems to be there has been a slightly a, a pitch from Eddie, I suppose, to sell that to them, to say, look, guys, we all know that we all want to win every game, but we might need to change some things, try and change the attack, blood some new players, if we want to get to where we think we could get to in 2023. And it seems like there is full buy-in from the players on that front. But I think all of this comes back to this sort of nine-month kind of crusade where Eddie Jones and the RFU have a totally different view of what the England team should be doing than everybody else, almost. Whether that's us in the media or whether that's fans who go to matches or come to Australia who actually would just like to see the win quite a lot. And at the moment, the current record since 2021 is nine wins from 16 and those wins include the USA, Canada, Tonga 
They've got Australia and South Africa in there, which were decent results. But there's an Italy in there as well. Two Italys, actually. So the results aren't there. And I think if Eddie Jones was tinkering and tweaking the side, having had a bank of wins behind him, everyone would be a bit more on, on message and on page with it. But I feel like there's just this disconnect between what England and the RFU think is the right thing to do and everyone else just going... Why can't England just win on the weekend? And clearly they're trying to do both and they don't want to lose matches. But this constant sort of churn of selection and different people coming in and out all the time and trying to talk about the 23 and the World Cup, it's this constant phrase that we keep using, jam tomorrow, it's mm-hmm. it'll be right on the night. And essentially saying that there are three games every four years that really matter the World Cup quarterfinal the World Cup semi-final and the World Cup final but I suppose the point we're trying to make is but what if you don't get there what if you get a red card in a World Cup quarterfinal in the first minute what happens if you get refereed off the park it's just all these intangibles and setting up for this long distant event in the future and saying that everything before it doesn't really matter because it's this long process of development is just it's unpalatable for lots of fans. I'd yeah, say. it's trying to justify underperformance with the promise of delivering in three games at a World Cup every four years, um, and and that's 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 really the, been the, the narrative of of England of late. And Courtney Laws was was kind of urging fans to stay patient and to to stay with them, and that England are trying their best, but they're trying to evolve and they're trying to grow and they're trying to develop this attacking system that that we, that we hear about and but you always, but then you feel well how can that be helped by the constant chopping and changing and 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 it, that's kind of where England are this week and it's a it's a funny one and it's caught us a bit by by surprise because it wasn't the, the sort of narrative that that I expected uh, at all and it's I wouldn't say it's defeatist quite but it's it's very kind of downbeat mm. this idea that they're sort of as long as they perform well then then that's they'll take that and they believe that if they perform well then that should deliver the results but it's it's it feels like it's kind of a, they're limiting their ambitions this week it's a fascinating thing isn't it because before last saturday england had beaten australia eight times in a row and now they're talking about oh well you know if, if we perform all right then that's enough for us and you think this isn't the this isn't the Eddie's 2016 team. This isn't the narrative of that, which was don't care about anything else, just go and smash the Wallabies up. I mean, yeah, my my, I guess to, we've waffled on here for what 15 minutes, but I guess if I was to sum it up, I think that Eddie is his strategy, his plan is to have a look at all the the players that he likes, um, give him a bit of a taste of it between now and the period that he really is looking forward to. The one period that he really thinks he can make a difference, which is the three-month World Cup training camp next summer. Um, he doesn't really feel he can influence a huge amount with these players in a tour even or in a in a training camp or in a Six Nations um, because so much of that time is spent trying to get them back on the same page, 13 different clubs. We know that Eddie doesn't like the English club system. Where he feels he can make the biggest gains is in this World Cup training camp. And and it felt really today, listening to him talk and looking at this team selection, like you know he's dropped in another couple of players who 
like I say, I actually don't I, I don't hate that selection at all. But just in the wider context, it feels like he's just checking out all these players so that he can bring in a squad of 55 into a three-month training camp, as he did in 2019, and that's where he will try and forge his team. And, and everything for him is is built around that. You know, winning the World Cup as a head coach, having lost two finals, is is the one trophy, major international trophy that he hasn't yet secured. What a luxury, eh? You're only judged on three games every four years. Mm. It's great, isn't it? I mean, it's, that's that's the kind of nutshell thing, isn't it? That it's for these big head coaches, super coaches around the world, making it all about something that only happens every mm. four years is a benefit to them because then it gives them more time to sort of come up with this grand plan. And by the way, we should say, we're not assuming they're going to lose on Saturday. No, like, and actually, <laughs> if they win, then you suddenly look at it in a totally different context, don't you? You say, oh, well, mm. blooded young players and even got the result and well, turn around the series. And then the next week's selection is really interesting because then it's like, right, do you park the development thing for a week and just say 2-1 and coming home with a 2-1 is an amazing result. Mm. Yeah, and, and I you look at the Wallabies who named their team today and they've they had all that injury disruption in the first test. They've had more injury disruption during the week, uh, losing two more players, Andrew Kellaway um, and Len... Ikitao. Ikitao, thank you, Will. Uh, they've both gone... But they are boosted by Taniela Tupu arriving back in the front row, uh, and and his his battle with with Ellis Genge will be will be worth the entry fee. It'd be uh, that would be. We should tasty. say Times readers might have seen the interview that's gone up already. That he was quite fun for us. It was this morning, Thursday morning. He was talking to us and talking in a quite amusing way about how he wants to smash up Ellis Genge and he's going to try and do the same to me. And so that. As you said, that's worth your twenty yeah. bucks. And, isn't I'm not, it? <laughs> like I say, we're not. I'm not writing off England's chance of winning this game at all because I, I kind of those two selections. He's gone six two on the bench. They're just going. Jack Willis is there. Lewis Ludlam's there. Ollie Chesham's there. You know they are England are going to go, and, to go physical. Uh, and although they've lost the sort of midfield guile of March, and they do have Tommy Freeman who brings gas, and and Porter who's who you know. He's been very, very good for Leicester this season. Um, it's it's more just that it doesn't. It feels like a massive game to everyone else, and yet the vibe coming out of out of Courtney Laws and, and Eddie Jones today was much more. Well, you know, we'd love to win, of course you would, but there's a, there are bigger things at stake, and um, I think you'll just find lots. I think lots of England rugby fans uh, would rather they won this series and worried about the World Cup next year. Yeah, I was going to say tongue in cheek, but um, I hope everyone's going to tune in at five to eleven and watch it on the telly for the practice match because <laughs> it's not the series decider. It's not going to be one all or two nil. It's the practice match for the World Cup. So make sure you get your subscription to Sky Sports and get the practice match on the telly. The Barbarians game was a practice match for this tour. Yeah, <laughs> that didn't go well, did the it? World Cup, so. <laughs> but anyway, that has been our sort of snap verdict on the team. And if it sounds like we're slightly discombobulated, it's probably because we are. <laughs> yeah, but we're trying to make sense of it in the paper um, on Friday's paper so read that and then we'll have all the previews and everything else and reaction the other side of the game too but for now we need to go off and actually write some more stuff for the newspaper so that's it for the Brisbane studios and the next time you'll hear us you'll be in Sydney I think for the third one I will there yeah. we go right see you all later cheers bye 
rising sea levels, extreme weather patterns, extinctions of species. Our planet needs protecting. I'm Adam Vaughan, the Environment Editor for The Times, and this is Planet Hope from The Times, in partnership with Rolex and its Perpetual Planet Initiative. In this podcast, we hear from leading experts from around the world who are committed to finding solutions. These explorers, scientists, entrepreneurs, and citizens are committed to a common goal, to protect our home, Earth. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>